Welcome to TuneIn's In Conversation With podcast series, in which we invite Kenyan leaders and trailblazers to discuss their lives and work. Today's episode is part of our Introspection Wellness Vertical, featuring Nandi Kigode, an emotional intelligence professional and cultural strategist. Nandi's journey has taken her from private school in Karen to the US military to heroin addiction to building her own business back in Kenya. Nick Jackson, Inn's founder and CEO, grew up with Nandi and they sat down to catch up and learn more about Nandi's story. This podcast was accompanied by a stunning nude body paint photo shoot, which you can find at www.innairobi.com. This is the second of three segments. Find part three at www.innairobi.com forward slash tune in. This is Tune In by the In Network. I just wanted to pull back for a second. Um, you said addiction got to the point where it was crippling, like literally crippling. Mm. I mean, what, is that, what did that look like? I mean, you've, we've talked about this many times. I mean, it got, it, it got to the point of heroin, ho- homelessness, mm. arrests, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> can we talk about that? Absolutely. Um, crippling in the sense that... I mean, you left the military. I did leave the military, yeah. Was it by choice? Um, no, not really. Okay. Um, actually, a little bit by choice. Um, was I took several drugs by choice uh-huh. with the hope that I would be drug tested, which I was, uh-huh. and which I would fail, which I did. Okay. Okay. okay, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, and so there was a scheme? There was a scheme. I mean, it's not as brilliant as I might be making it sound, I was desperate. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, I didn't care about any of the, the repercussions. I didn't care about any of the consequences. I just wanted to get out. Otherwise, I was going to die. I needed to die. If so, I wasn't going to get out, I needed to die. So that was happened? very simple. You, did, when, you left the military mm-hmm. and you continued to use. Yes, I uh, continued to use. I actually came back here. I thought I if know. I just went some, if I went back home, everything would be okay. Yeah, right. What I didn't realize was that I was coming back home with me. <laughs> oh, right, right, so, right, exactly, right, exactly. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to leave this person behind, but I didn't. I am that person. Okay. So um, you know, when people say go somewhere new and have a fresh start, doesn't happen. You no. bring the person that you were from the old place right. into the new place, right, right, right. and the place that I came. The place that I brought with me was angry, resentful. It was um, uh, furious, just just untapped rage. I was angry at the system. I was angry at growing up as um, a black girl in a white community in an African country. I was angry at my parents. Um, I was angry at my friends. I was just angry at everything, you know? Um, And then what was even more frustrating was, um, you know... I needed to drink, right? right? Or I needed to use drugs because I was in so much pain. Mm-hmm. So I needed the pain to be alleviated. But then people were punishing me, saying that I was out of control and I wasn't this, this I was this horrible person. Right. And I wasn't. I was just in pain, right? Yeah. So that becomes even more frustrating, which right. then you want to, you want to null, you want to dim that pain even more. And then right. it's, you try, it's, it's this horrible cyclical. cycle. Yeah. Right. And then you try to tell your parents about it and then your parents don't understand because they're not educated about it. So they're like, just get over it. Just sort yourself out. Right. right? Because they're now freaking out. Right. And, so how um, did you sort yourself out? I ran away. Where to? Where did, what happened? Did I, you go back to the States? I, I eventually, I ran away to Zanzibar. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I got to uh, Zanzibar, I couldn't get work. And I was also 
thrown out of the place that I was in Zanzibar. Um, I Mamari Moto, by the way. <laughs> the way. Um, and, you know, God forgive me, but um, I manipulated some nuns into taking me in and I promised them that I would pay them and then I, I ran away. Have you done so since? I haven't and it's on my list of Let's amends. Go. Let's go. Let's go to Zanzibar and pay back the nuns. We can chill, we can have some grilled fish and pay back some nuns. It's absolutely necessary. Okay, it's absolutely necessary. It's on, my, it's on my docket of things that I have to, and trust me, it's long. Oh, that I have list. a docket, babe. I have a docket And it's too. continental, that's the thing. You know, some yes. people might just going to have to <laughs> apologize to people in the neighborhood. I have to cross oceans um, to, that's okay. to do this. And that's okay. You Because know? you crossed oceans. I crossed oceans to get high. So well, I'm just saying I can cross oceans to make amends. Okay. So now um, let's talk about getting clean. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because, I mean, I, you told me at, at one point, and sorry if, if this is too much information, but it was, there was a point where up cigarette butts because you couldn't afford to buy pack cigarettes and you were homeless I and was, it was yeah, bad it was it bad, was bad. I, it wasn't even just picking up cigarette butts I was fishing through public cigarette disposals Ashtrays. and collecting this even if the cigarette had been wet in the snow I would still pick it up and wrap it up and take it take it to um like a bathroom and just sit it on the radiator and wait for it to dry so that I could use it. But it was always more frustrating using those kinds of cigarettes because the nicotine had actually seeped into the snow. See, now these are lessons learned. (laughs) (laughs) Now now, now we're talking about science. But this tells you the extent of the (laughs) the psychosis, right? Right, right, right. Um, right, right, Was the need for a fix, a nicotine fix, as simple as that. And, you know, people look down on that, but when you're in that situation, it's a perfectly logical thing to do. You know, Um, so... If you don't have any other tools yeah. to support the pain and the fury and the and, and the confusion and the discomfort and the and the you know like the anger, yeah. The tools what, you, yeah. What else are you gonna do? You're, yeah, you're gonna. This is the whole. This is what addiction is. Yeah, exactly. Because I wasn't like I wasn't prepared to die just then, you know. So I was like, all right, makes sense. Let's just go and fish for some cigarettes. So when? Um, so when, when, when? When did you decide to? Because you you would have died. Oh, absolutely. So when at some point I would have died. So, yeah. like, why are you alive now? Like, what happened? I, I mean, think I'm so glad that you are. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just clarify. I love this bitch. Okay, But me why, too. What, like, what what happened? Um, I can't explain it any different other than a spiritual awakening, if you will. It was just one of those moments where. Because in my mind, each time some, I would end up in jail or, you know, I'd wake up with a needle in my arm or something. And I was like, oh, didn't die, but I'm not done yet. You know, there was like this thing yeah, like, yeah. oh, yeah, I haven't fallen as far as I would like to fall. You know, okay. and I was very conscious uh-huh. of this spiral that I was going down. And I was like, it was torturous. It was terrible. But I, for some reason, I wanted it. I needed it. I needed to get to the very... But you were also, you were, you were, you were getting by somehow. Yeah, I was getting by. And um, I think um, I, I had a few bottoms, but the, the big one was in Las Vegas where, um, you know, I almost fell into um, a sex trafficking situation uh-huh. because they don't force you into sex trafficking You essentially in Vegas. In Vegas, yeah. well, in this situation, this is how these pimps run, ran it: was that they didn't actually force you; they would just coerce you gently over time. 
you know, into, and you know, they might buy you things or something, and then all of a sudden you owe a debt or something. It was a very slow, gentle process. And I didn't realize what was happening to me in my naivety. And one of the How other girls, um, I think it was 24. Okay. So you were a I was a youngin, still a kid. Yeah. You know? I'm still a kid. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and this this concept of when you actually reach adulthood, but that's another it's another conversation. That's conversation. But you're definitely you're not an adult at twenty four or twenty five, that's for sure. Um, the But you're expected to be. You're expected to be. Society expects you to be, and you believe that you are, but you're not. not. You're not. Um, And one of the girls said to me, she's like, do you actually know where you are? And I was like, well, yeah. He said he's going to help me get a bus to Utah, to St. George, to go and see my friend. And she was like, girl, no, he's not. She was like, he is a pimp. He was like, she was like, he's actually just waiting for you to do your first job. And I was like, no, don't be silly. I went to private school. You wouldn't do that. <laughs> Never. Never. You know, I grew up in Karen. <laughs> so, and then something snapped and it you just, it was no, no, it wasn't even that. It was like a domino effect uh-huh. of just, uh-huh. And then reality hit, and it hit really hard. And I was like, whoa. What am I, where am I'm, I? I'm here. Like, this is where I'm at. Because I'm, several times, Nick, I was walking down the street in Las Vegas, and he'd be like, because I just needed to buy a bus ticket to right. Utah. Right. And all I needed to do was perform fellatio in order to get as much money as I needed for my bus right. ticket. And so many times, a car pulled up next to me, and he was like, do you want... You can do it now if you want. And I was like, no, no, no. Okay, I'll do the next one. I'll do the next one. I'll do the-. And that happened about four or five times. And he never forced me. Right. Never, ever forced me. But he was, and I was intrigued because I was like, okay, how does it work? And he was like, well, look, I'll just walk on this side of you. And so it, it makes so much sense to me when women, when women or men, you know, just fall into these kinds of things when you're just in a desperate situation and it's just something as simple as getting yourself a bus ticket and you're like well i've done this socially before so like surely i could just do it for a little bit of money and right like who's like suck a dick for a dollar and (laughs) we're all good we're going to go and but the thing was is like i i was very conscious of the fact as like when you cross this line yeah you've you've crossed it and something and it's really hard to get Back, back across that line. Get back across. And, you know, I used, I stood on the side of the highway with my little sign saying, going to Utah. And people stopped. But it was for a price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It was always for a price. Right, right, right. And it was a price at that point that I well, was then, almost willing to pay. Well, that, well that, I mean, did you think about support groups no. at that point? God, no. Okay. No, I had it totally under control. What right. are you talking about? Exactly. Right. A, <laughs> right, of course, I forgot you had a sign. <laughs> <laughs> I had a sign. I knew where I was going. Right. Okay? okay, I was a woman with a direction. Yeah, like a woman with a plan. <laughs> yeah. So, let's, so, so, like, let's so, move on to getting sober. Yeah, no, this is, this is it, though. This is the, this did is you, the did awakening. Did you go to rehab? Or like, did you, no. No. No, I didn't go to rehab. Um, I went to a few psych, psych, psycho, psychotic. Um, what's it called? The mental institutions. Yes. I don't know if that's like the same what? thing. Yeah, a few of those. <laughs> um, you know, went to a few of those. Um, mental institutions. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, where they lock you yeah, up, yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Like gun interrupted style. Yeah, and sedate you, yeah. for sure. Okay. Yeah, went to a few of those. Um, stopped for a little while, but never long enough for anything substantial to happen, for any sort of change to happen. But um, I would say by the time I'd lost my family, not in the sense that they weren't talking to me, but they were just, they had to distance themselves from me. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time I'd lost all of that, and I, I was sitting uh, on Christmas Day, alone with dogs that I was dog sitting um, and I realized I was all alone I was all alone yeah. and I was the only one that was going to make a difference about that like nobody was coming to my rescue do you know how I kind of feel in life it's like we are all always alone so in our loneliness like let's not be lonely yeah you know what i mean well yeah it's it's yeah it's it's kind those, of. yeah you're alone but you're not at the same time you're going to come in alone you've got yourself yeah you've got yourself and the one thing that we all have is is ourselves yeah and i think in that moment i realized that i was the product right of a lot of what had gone wrong but i will never admit it i will <laughs> i will never admit it <laughs> to <did>. anybody <laughs> no but that was my thought at the time i was like oh. eh, but let nobody know that I know that a lot of this is actually my fault. Right. Right? And so it's up to me. That concludes part two of three of TuneIn's In Conversation With series with Kenyan businesswoman Nandi Kagode, an emotional intelligence professional and cultural strategist. For part three and more exciting content, head to www.innairobi.com forward slash TuneIn. Thank you for listening. We give special thanks to Two Grapes Wine and Friends in Kilimani for hosting this discussion. This is Tune In by the In Network. Learn more at www.innairobi.com or on Instagram at the In Network NBO.